what I want to focus is trying to get people addicted to feeling good. And that starts mm. with adding in foods that are going to have a high net gain and, you know, focusing on adding in, you know, foods with benefits that make you feel good. And that will crowd out some of these foods that maybe don't have as much you know, nutritional benefit or nourishment. And so it's, it's taking a look at where you're at and trying to update your up, upgrade, I guess you could say your current habits and rituals. And when you can realize that you now can make that a habit and pay attention to, to keep on doing what makes you feel better. to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast fans, welcome back. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at Runner's High, the only running specialty store here in Golden. You can check them out on the web at runnershighco.com. They've got a shop here in Golden, Colorado, and they just opened a second location in Morrison, Colorado, right there at the base of Red Rocks Amphitheater. So why do I love the folks at Runner's High? Well, Deb and Ken are an incredible couple. Both have extensive running backgrounds and pedigrees. They have a wealth of knowledge and experience. They are the ones that helped me back in 2015 when I started training for my first Ironman and was getting back into running. They put me on their treadmill there in their store and did a running gait analysis, helped me figure out what I needed for both training shoes as well as race day shoes. And I'll just share that they got me hooked on the Hoka 1-1 for training days and on the Newton lightweight running shoes for race day. And this protocol has worked beautifully for me for the last three years. Uh, it's also my only source of running and training nutrition both during and after I buy my scratch labs hydration mix at runner's high and they also just got me hooked on the tailwind nutrition vanilla recovery mix which I use after my workouts so they are fantastic they will absolutely help you get sorted with your running shoes as well as apparel and they sell some pretty amazing yoga pants too they are offering a discount to our listeners. If you mention that you are a Maximum Enthusiasm podcast fan, they'll give you 10% off running shoes and 20% off apparel. You can also just mention the last name Hotman, H-O-T-T-M-A-N, and you will be a friend for life with Runners High in Golden. So again, check them out, runnershighco.com. Hey listeners, welcome back. Today's episode is all about quality in, quality out, and I interview my friend Jason, the author of an amazing cookbook and also just a living, breathing example of healthful living. He is also just so passionate and energetic about the topics that he preaches and the message that he preaches that I think you'll find you can't help but be infected with his positive contagion. And I hope that you take away some really good, useful tips from this specific episode, even with respect to small changes that you can make in your dietary habits and rituals. We want to talk less about deprivation and things that you have to give up and instead focusing on beneficial things that you can add in to help you be your most fully optimized, most amazing self. And 
this is all about creating a lifestyle that really allows you to thrive and, in fact, sets you up for success on a daily basis. I'm really excited to be working with Jason as my own nutritional coach. We've also added him as a member of the team to that new business I launched called Trial Athlete. I'm really excited to bring his knowledge and expertise to you and to the masses. And uh, I definitely encourage you to follow along with him on Instagram as well as to check out his cookbook. And we're going to have links to those things on our website. So enjoy this episode. Fill yourself with something amazing, even if it's just adding a vegetable smoothie or a green smoothie to your day, as he suggests, and see what kind of magic unfolds from there. Our listeners, hopefully they get to hear this one. My guest today is Jason. Uh, we met at a gym and there's just everything about you exudes this life of wellness and health and not just that, Jason, but like my impression of you is that you do it all very much on purpose. Um, and you don't seem like someone who just sort of stumbled into the life that you have created for yourself. Is that fair? I think it's fair to say. I think it, it was something like a calling. Uh, I think it was, it just from as as early as I can remember, I think that I um, I always just felt gravitated to to see smiles on people's faces, and maybe it started from you know some sort of um, uh, compensation type of thing as a kid. I don't I don't know what it was, but I feel like it's always something I've been drawn to uh, to to help and serve, and um, and I get a kick out of it at the same time, and um, I got that passionate curiosity you know, for all things health and wellness. And that's, uh, and, and I got to give credit to the environment that I grew up in. I have a pretty unique uh, family that, uh, that really encouraged me to be authentic and, and uh, pursue, you know, that, that intrinsic happiness. Oh, I feel like there's more there we need to explore. Tell me more about, about that. What did that look like on a daily basis? Or give us some specific examples of how you were encouraged to be authentic. You know, the circumstances growing up were kind of funny. I, I grew up with a, a neat family. My, my mom's side of the family, I could you could probably classify them as more like liberal hippie type from the Northwest. Um, you know, so I they grew up in Oregon and Idaho. That's where most of my mom's side of the family is from. And I feel like there's a big influence in the Bay Area, kind of hippie movement. Uh, but beyond the hippie movement, it's just, it's something that I feel like you know, from a from an early age, I heard things about you know self actualization and a lot of the, the probably reading and uh, wisdom that my grandmother, who she's like she's like the Buddha figure in my life, who's always just been a big influence, has just always just preached in you know following what what feels right, you know making making people feel better, like leaving the earth better than you found it in every way, and it was it's it was. It was just a selfless act that I grew up in. Uh, my hmm. mom and dad split up, you know, when I was pretty young, and I think that that had an impact on how my mom treated me and helped raise my brother and I. And that she was somewhat of a, a people pleaser, and I think she felt a little bit ashamed about how the family split up, and she probably took a little blame for that. And so she was she was always doing things to see my brother and I happy, and I think that we didn't really know better, but it just kind of conditioned us in a, in a way of, of probably doing the same and reciprocating that with our relationships, our friends, 
uh, and so on. But just to take that a step, you know, further, the environment she grew up in with my grandma has always just been in the self-development. You know, I think now it's becoming more than a trend. It used to be kind of like that self-help type of thing. Right. I mean, I can remember being like 10 years old and my grandma giving me Tony Robbins tapes, of, you know, of absolute power. Oh my gosh. Like I love that. that. You know, it sounded kind of funny, but it all made sense. And, you know, my grandma's always preaching, you know, like Norman Vincent Peale, enthusiasm and positive mental attitude. So I think it was something that I was fortunate to have programmed into my head at an early age. Wow. Well, in the way you talk about it, I can hear how influential and impactful it was on you. And you certainly exude those principles just in my limited observations of you, um, it's it's as though every morning when Jason's feet hit the ground, he's out on a mission to make the world a better place and also other people's lives better and brighter. Is that a fair statement? I like to say that I think that, you know, I, I throw around the term a lot of like doing things with purpose and purpose driven. And, you know, when you, I talk about it in relation to food and, you know, and training that when you, when you add meaning to something, it goes up in value. You know, it's kind of that whole addition or abundance type of, of, of mindset. And when you can just approach the day with just having more intention in whatever you're doing, I think that you're going to take more pride in it. And that's something that's been instilled, you know, at an early age. And I went through that stage of, you know, looking around and I saw people that maybe grew up more privileged and, you know, there was things like thinking like, gosh, I wish I could have these shortcuts and all these different things. But I think that that can take the fun out of it too. We sure. have to, the, the lens at which you view life. And I think, like I said, my environment really helps that was, you know, looking at things as more of a challenge mindset than like a victim mindset and, and a poor me type of mentality. And I think we all go through that, but if we can, we can use that lens to look at things, it, it just adds much, so much more meaning to things. And it, and it also gives you the fuel, I think, to, to push through when you don't feel like it and you get that extra, you know, accountability and boost. Right. And food obviously plays a big part in this picture of just overall life enjoyment for you. And where did that come into the picture as a young man? Um, when, when did you start associating like a, a purpose-driven life with this intentionality around food? At a very early age, so my dad's side of the family is Italian, big food lovers <laughs> who, you know, food represented, a, you know, the meals that brings everybody together and you could just, you know, share, help people, um, you know, nourish yourselves, but also I think nourish the family in the sense that it's the time that we, we always knew would bring people together. And on my dad's side of the family, I had a grandma who was big time into cooking and she always wanted to share these desserts and these treats that probably didn't really um, take into consideration <laughs> the, the ultimate health effect or nourishing from, I guess, what you would say healthy, but they made people happy, you know, and I think that that was something that I was really attracted to, and she let me hang out in the kitchen, but she had a large family. She had six boys, so that, mm. you know, makes five uncles, you wow. know, my dad and five uncles, so a, a big family, and I got to see you know, even when people had bad days and there was people that were upset, like they'd smile when they were eating that delicious food and it was always there, you know, so apply that to me being undersized. I have a brother that was really large for his age. I mean, he was like in the hundred percentile. He's wow. six four, and he was always ahead of his time. We're, we're exactly five years apart. Our bir- we both had summer birthdays. And I mean, I looked up this guy who's my, my idol, my mentor, and I was just so much smaller compared to at the rate that, that he grew up. 
And part of that was what we were trying to figure out um, was maybe it was the different food that he was eating or, or, you know, why was this? We had the same parents. We should have pretty similar genes. Right. We think. And I was obsessed with basketball. So was, so was he. And it was enough to where my mom actually, you know, when I was in, I was probably in middle school, uh, brought me into one of our doctors who luckily was, you know, he had more of that liberal mindset and said, you know, asked me about the foods that I was eating. And I was like, you know, I mean, I, I like brownies and macaroni and yeah. cheese and, and hot dogs, you know, all the <laughs> stuff that make kids like. And he said it in a really cool way that, that made a big impact. And he just said, you know, there's certain foods that your body needs in order to, to build and grow. And I think he made the, the comparison to having raw materials to build a home or whatever it was. Whatever it was, it clicked, and he said, you know, you need amino acids. I, you know, I, at 12 years old, I had no idea what right. amino acids were. But he told me you could find them in protein. And, you know, protein was in meat and eggs and fish, and, uh, and there's protein powder supplements. But I think there's only one or two, you know, at the average, like, market that you'd see, especially if you went to, like, a grocery store type of market. Uh, but I made it a goal to focus on kind of that add-in philosophy of just adding in what I needed, even if I was still eating junk food. Sure. Um, but short answer is, I mean, I was a very particular kid. I probably didn't eat as as ambitious uh, with as much diversity that my brother did. Um, and when I started adding in foods, I was, without a doubt, I was a late bloomer. I mean, going into high school, I was five foot four, 109 pounds, you know. So playing sports was, was comedy because I luckily got to follow my brother's footsteps. But, you know, still all the kids would kind of laugh about, you know, that I'm so undersized. Oh, interesting. But within a few years of just in a couple years, I mean, it was a big impact. I started giving my body more of what it needs. I started growing and I immediately was hooked. I could associate food making a major impact. And then it became fun for me if I could combine that good tasting, nourishing, like soul food that was uh, that I was seeing with my family, but making sure I was at the same time getting the stuff that I needed. I was hooked, and I realized the impact for me. It, it was something that inspired me to pursue an education in nutrition and and inspire and try to help others and empower others through you know nutrition. So, so that's that's how the story began. That's a pretty cool origin story, Jason. And so did you then decide to study an associated field in college? Yeah, initially I chose to, to pursue kinesiology because I wanted to do sports medicine. I, 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 was, uh, I was stuck on the idea that if I wasn't going to make it in sports, like trying to play football or basketball, I would at least you know remain working in sports so I could work around athletes. And uh, you know, initial courses and biology and all the labs I was doing were a little overwhelming and I went through a stage where my my definition of success then was was probably trying to play catch up and acquire things and I I thought being a, a owning a business or being in business was the, the cool thing to do so I switched over and started studying business and marketing um, I pursued that all the way through graduation and and then after entering the um, the corporate world I then had an opportunity when I was in medical sales and I was traveling. I went back to study uh, integrative nutrition. And so, um, and I, I, the universe, I think, let me know that was going to be the route to go. Because <laughs> even when I was speaking with doctors and I'd go in and I'd do these, you know, in services and, and workshops, uh, or, and I'd, I'd bring in lunch, for example, I'd talk more about the food than the product that I was, right. I was talking about. And I had such a, I mean, it was more than a passion, it was an obsession 
obsession with health and wellness, you know, in the pursuit of my own health and in trying to reach my potential. And, you know, I started just, just seeing what I could do, what I could do, everything from, you know, I entered triathlon sprints and moved into normal triathlons and I was still playing, you know, sports. And I loved talking about it and had the opportunity to go back and study integrated nutrition. And then that's when I um, had the opportunity or created the opportunity to leave that that safety platform and follow more of my bliss and, and working with people one-on-one. And that was, you know, close to almost 10 years ago. Well, and that's an important point right there, Jason, because that's one of the themes of this podcast is sort of how do you follow your soul purpose and your soul nudges? And it is a leap every single time. It's always a leap into the calling away from something safe. And so, um, just a little off topic here, but how do you, uh, how would you define that moment or what was the final push that made you jump into the unknown? You know, I can, I can remember it clearly. It's, it's funny how, how I stumbled into it. You know, it was, it was when the economy was, was rough. I had done really well. I was very competitive. So working in, in sales and the corporate environment, uh, I had I'd saved up enough. I was able to buy a home, you know, at age 21, and I was super proud of it. At, at the time, it was probably one of my biggest accomplishments. And so I had money in, in, the saving, in my savings account, and I saw people around me losing their jobs, especially in, in jobs like the financial industry. And um, I just, no matter how, how good I did the prior month or the prior quarter, it didn't really matter as far as the way that the companies, you know, and, and when I was working with my company was adjusting, was just work more, more volume. And it just wasn't that fulfilling. And I started reading, you know, I, I, I was obsessed with my grandma at early age introduced me to like Norman Vincent Peale. And, you know, from there I've learned about Ralph Waldo Emerson and the power of positivity and enthusiasm and, and really finding, you know, self-awareness. And I was looking up, quotes from Ralph Waldo Emerson and I was looking up the self-reliance essay and I was thinking I'll just find it online and and Mm. read it because I'd heard a lot of praise about it and I came across this other website that was basically like summaries of like really influential books um you know all things on it's called philosopher's notes and it had summaries of books like you know habits of highly effective people and uh the Dhammapada and the Bhagavad Gita and um you know all different different areas like positive psychology and you know self-motivation all these areas and by chance I just I signed up to this course that was like 50 books in 50 days now these were summaries so it was easy to commit to and it introduced me to like Abraham Maslow and um, some other books on on finding you know your bliss and your purpose and your hero's journey and I was on a work vacation and I remember I did this journal exercise and I remember being on a beach. I was in, I think I was in Manhattan Beach. And I was like, I'm just going to actually like write this out, this whole journal. And it was like a, a 10 questions. It said a personal date with yourself. And the questions basically were like summed up, you know, what were you most proud of over the last five years? What would you be the most proud of in five years? Like what brings you to life and brings you energy? And I just realized the route that I was currently on was okay and it was it was good maybe in society's idea um of of what good was but there wasn't fulfillment and it just i was staring at what i had worked on for about an hour this journal exercise and i looked at it and it was like if i was going to be as happy as i possibly could be 
and then my energy would be higher and so all these different things. I needed to be doing something that was more fulfilling and that was all around health and nutrition and that was where I, I couldn't get enough of that. And I had really tested that out and um, I had an opportunity to, I mean, I knew that I needed to take a leap of faith and the program that I was studying encouraged me to do some speaking events and I, I tested the waters and I, it was something that gave me, brought me a lot of satisfaction and um, I realized that it was my ultimate purpose and with some good mentors and the environment that I was in really encouraged me to keep pursuing it at the same time, you know, there was safe people around me saying, you know, don't leave a, a safe job and safety and so right. on. But I guess to bring that all back around, I realized that, you know, whether I was had money in my savings account or I was in debt, it wouldn't really matter if I wasn't passionate about what I was doing, if it didn't bring that type of fulfillment. I just, um, and that was like a, a big deciding factor. And I decided to leave the job that I did because I knew that I really couldn't find um, until I really cut off that that comfort, that oxygen supply, I, I really wouldn't know how strong I possibly could be. And uh, and that's where I just leaped both feet into uh, health, wellness. I started blogging. I had referrals from the doctors that I was working with. Um, I started working at a resort to get in front of people that would be able to, uh, you know, afford training right. services. And, uh, and that's how it all started. That's an awesome journey. And I love what you say about how, whether you had money in your savings account or not, it was so critical to you to pursue something you were passionate about. And, um, one of the biggest things I've come to realize is that so many of us feel like we, that's like a luxury, you know, only certain people can actually afford to take those types of leaps or I have a family or I have to be responsible or I have commitments or whatever. And, um, I feel like it's a necessity. I feel like it's a necessity for a human being to go through our lives. We have to have something that we derive that amount of enjoyment and satisfaction from, like what you're describing. And so um, anyway, I just think that's fantastic. I think that's a great message too, Jason, that you um, surround yourself with people whose opinions you know, do matter and do count, but at the same time, you don't let the naysayers talk you out of giving up on your dreams. And you went for it, and you're living yeah. proof that it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's so important that, I mean, you could, you have to, I think that people need to pay more attention to, like, what the upside is in things. I think there's there's a lot of safety, and I think when it, when it comes to health and financial type of stuff, like, obviously, you you want to proceed with caution in some things, but I think there's too many people that are proceeding with, with too much caution, and it, they can get themselves in that paralysis of analysis, and, and concerned with so much with, other, with, with what other people think. And that's where this can be challenging is I see this constantly. A lot of people that have good intentions and it's, they get in that wouldn't it be nice type of mindset. And so it's it's really important to hear and see what people are saying, but make sure that it you know it's still speaking to your heart and your soul. Like is what you're doing going to give you the most pride? And I just – I. You know, you look at people and some people have like a quiet desperation that they're they're stuck in just seeking instant gratification and yes. everything that they're doing. And I just love to to let people know and hope to empower people that there's something that can be so much more fulfilling if you search it. And it doesn't have to be your whole career. It could be, you know, you helping people or, um, you know, investing your time and energy into something that has more of a uh, more of a purpose. Right. And sometimes we are we don't have that environment around us. You have to seek that out. And I yep. can certainly say that, you know, 
gosh, I remember when I, I couldn't afford to like hire a mentor or do anything. And I, I dated a girl in, um, in college whose, whose dad was an author. And I remember he just gave me some good advice. He said, go to the bookstore and just read books about profiles, about people that you admire. And you'll learn a lot about their habits and yeah. rituals. And, you know, the more that you can train your subconscious mind, uh, more of those things that you'll uh, adapt. So I guess my big point with that is I think that happiness and fulfillment and hope and all these positive things, you know, is contagious, you know, if you put yourself and you got to be responsible for your environment there. Right. Surround yourself with people that have those same values and pursue it as enthusiastically as you do. Um, absolutely. Yeah, your, your environment and is critical. Test it out. You know, I think that I wish I would go back and tell my younger self to do it at an earlier age. I mean, the timing of things all works out probably for a reason. But, you know, failure is it's so cliche that these days. But, I mean, when you try something... You can actualize it, and then you get data. So even if you don't get the outcome and the results you were wanted, you probably got the outcome or the results that you needed at the time, and that's data that you can go back and, and reinvest it. You know I mean? People think about entering a race or a triathlon or starting a new career or project, and you can think about it all you want, but until you actually try it out, you'll be able to internalize it that much more. And then be around people that are doing what you want to do, and I think that success leaves footprints. Um, mm. I like that. Fulfillment leaves footprints, I think, too. I like that a lot. Um, I want to switch gears, although it's associated, but I want to focus on your specialty specifically, which is in the food arena. And I think you and I share this common belief, which is that we don't want people to get into a diet mindset. We don't want people to get into a mindset of having to give things up, of deprivation. You know, you and I seek these fully optimized lives. I want to be my best self from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. I want to give this short life I have everything I possibly can throw at it. And what I put in myself is going to dictate in large part the quality of my output. Um, and so how do you help people start to reframe their approach to food where they start to look at this as like their energy source and why quality and selection matters as opposed to, oh my gosh, you're about to tell me I can't ever have, you know, fettuccine Alfredo again and I feel deprived. You know, that all starts with, you know, the mindset that we have going into, you know, we could call it the abundance mindset or the the addition mindset. And I like to tell people that, you know, the, the first start rather than, in thinking about what you are potentially going to remove or deprive yourself of, like, like don't even think about that yet. What I want to focus is trying to get people addicted to feeling good. And that starts mm. with adding in foods that are going to have a high net gain and, you know, focusing on adding in, you know, foods with benefits that make you feel good. And that will crowd out some of these foods that maybe don't have as much you know, nutritional benefit or nourishment. And so it's, it's taking a look at where you're at and trying to update your, up, upgrade, I guess you could say, your current habits and rituals and realize that um, by simply being aware of what you're doing and tracking it and, and adding in a couple of things, it could be starting with a vegetable smoothie. So if we know, if I looked at what you were doing and, you know, you're, you're eating for a few days and noticed that you weren't consuming very much, you know, produce, like fruits or vegetables, I'm confident that adding in a smoothie and not even taking anything out initially is going to provide your body with nourishment, which is going to make you feel better. And when you can realize that, you now can make that a habit and 
pay attention to to keep on doing what makes you feel better. So that's kind of like step one. I like is it to focus to switch that mindset. And as you said, awareness is a big part of this. And I firmly believe that our lives and our world is so busy. The American way of life is so crowded and we're rushing that uh, awareness doesn't even have a fair shot in most people's lives. And so I think one of the things is just slowing people down to have the opportunity to say, how did that smoothie make me feel and how does it improve my, my brain you know, acuity and mental clarity and all those types of things, which that's a topic for another day. But um, I'm sure you deal with clients all the time who are like, Jason, I want to be better and I want to eat healthier. I just don't have the time. And so you know, what advice do you give people? You know, plan, I like to tell people, I think so many people have good intentions and they know what they want to do. And I think part of that comes to, you know, I talk about planning success and prepare your most exhausted self. I think ah. for some reason we think that we all have this superhero um, person in us that, that we do, we really do. But I think we all think that, oh, it's six or seven o'clock when I'm done with the day, I'm going to go home and make this dinner and, and do this and that, or I'll pick something up. But at the end of the day, we're exhausted. Our willpower is going to be drained based on what we were doing throughout the day. And I think we can all relate to that. If you oh, yeah. you, know, you want to start up a new project, maybe it's a business project on the side, and you decided to leave you know, a couple hours at the end of the day, let's say it's at, at 6 o'clock after you've taken care of work and you know, required um, you know, obligations that you have, you're now going into that with, a low level of willpower and a low level of mental energy. Even if you're excited, that'll kind of get you started. And that is the same type of, of issue that we have thinking that we're going to make some food in the evening or, or do whatever the case is. So we have to make it easy for ourselves. And in that case, you can put on autopilot. You could, you could start with somewhere like some training wheels as far as go to a salad bar at a place like a Whole Foods or you know a market and pick out some of the foods and then, you know, find your delicious, find what you like with those foods and start with making sure that you can enjoy it first and then make it convenient for yourself, you know, and that's where, you know, like I said, a salad bar type of thing, maybe using a meal delivery company for a couple meals, but then playing around with it and, and get a couple sauces or sweeteners or, um, seasonings that give you that autonomy feeling that it's it's something that is right for you but you have to create some small wins that way and it has to be worth it and that's and it is worth it and I think that's what I tell people a lot is is try it out for a, a few days and, and go somewhere that has healthy meals and make that investment and pay attention to how much better you can feel but really make it a priority to enjoy it and when you enjoy it, you'll realize that it's worth it, and then you'll want to put that time. But you, a lot of people just have to get past that learning curve and that unknown factor. And maybe there's intimidation as far as playing around some new ingredients or some unknown things. And that's where you know having a health mentor in your life can can mm. play a big role. I think we all know somebody in our life that that in, you know they, they eat healthy food, and and it doesn't have to be gross. It's not that they're just you know using only willpower. And pick some people's brains and try out some things. Which you teed me up perfectly for one of the things I wanted to make sure we absolutely discussed on today's show, which is your cookbook. And it's called Making Healthy Taste Good, which is exactly what you're talking about, where you're trying to make um, eating well and eating in a way that makes us amazing as, as attainable and achievable as possible. So I bought your cookbook. What I love about it is... Um, 
you know, I, I think simplicity does it a, a disservice, but what you're trying to do is honestly make a cookbook for real people living real lives and um, just love the recipes. For example, the one I saw last night about the cream spinach using, um, was it cashews and uh, blended with um, stock, chicken stock, yeah. and then basically mixing that in with cream spinach. So, I mean, there's a couple spices and stuff in there, but we're literally talking about three or four ingredients. That's a recipe that I looked at that I, I said, that's absolutely something I could and would make. Um, you lose me once we get to about seven ingredients, I'm out. <laughs> but <Yeah>. but <laughs> no, that's what I love about your cookbook. <laughs> I cook almost every single day and I'm the same way. Somebody could recommend something and if it requires too many ingredients, I just immediately, I think things start getting blurry for the average yep. person because you think, okay, there's, there's now there's more margin for error and yep. there's more of a mess and there's more things, uh, you know, going to be required for this. And that's what I really try to strip away from people is that that intimidation factor doesn't need to be there and it can be so much more simple. Um, the, the big X factor that I always talk about is, is eating food that you really love, you know, while getting the results that you desire compared to eating food that you simply tolerate. You know, if the process isn't fun of making the food, you know, you have to realize that it can be, and there's so many people having success with it, and it's worth it. You know, the, the net return pays off in huge dividends when you feel better and you get to enjoy yourself. It doesn't need to be one or the other. And, you know, and like you said, or that, that recipe is an example of using something like flavor insurance. You're using a flavor that you crave, that you enjoy, in order to eat food that you, you need, your body is, is hungry for and is nourishing. And there's so many different things to go, ways to go about that. In the book, I try to give a lot of just visuals and examples. If you like savory or sweet or spicy or whatever it is, it's just about using those foods to make your food more palatable. Well, and no question, if I saw creamed spinach, I'd be like, damn, that looks really good. But there's no way I'm going to let myself have that because it's full of cheese and all kinds of other things that I try to avoid. But then I'm reading, I'm reading your recipe and I feel myself physically start to sort of salivate or have those physical visceral reactions to how I imagine it's going to taste. But then to your point, the ingredients are absolutely things that I need with basically none of the things that I don't need that wouldn't serve me. Um, and then I just saw on your Instagram, which by the way, I'll post it on the website, but for everyone that's listening, um, we want to make sure that we have people follow you on Instagram as well. And it's just at Jason. Do you pronounce it Sani or Sani? Sani. So yes. Jason S A N I. Um, yes. and it was on your story yesterday where you posted, I think it was either pancakes or waffles, but you were talking about literally like just using what's around, including some protein powder, some almond flour, your pancakes looked amazing. They had some blueberries and stuff in them, I think. Um, and that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, you can look at food in a couple of different ways. I mean, the food that you eat is it, you can have a delivery vessel, you know, whether it's a pancake or a waffle or a, a wrap or a salad, you get to choose what, what draws you to that. And I think, you know, depending, and I mean, no matter what your, your goal is or what your desired route of getting there is. If, if you want to go low carb, you can make a pancake and you can make it out of coconut flour, almond flour, or, you know, a banana flour with resistant starch or a protein powder base. And that essentially becomes your flour alternative. Um, if you want, you know, more carbs to fuel your energy, you can use oatmeal, um, you can use oats and just blend them up as a flour alternative. So the point there is that you, there's so much resources for us to look at, especially on the internet. If you, so 
And if you're confused, I mean, start out with balance. I think that it doesn't need to be one or the other. So many people are afraid to eat. Um, there's so much fear and, and dogma out there that they're, oh, now carbs are bad. And right. It's like, there's a big difference between, you know, low carb and, and, and quality carbohydrates and so on. I think that if people could, instead of getting overwhelmed, like realize that, you know, the big priority is matching whatever overall caloric value to your energy level. And then you have smaller priorities that break down to like the, what those macronutrients are and then the timing of the food uh, and so on. But I think too many people create stress around things that are that are really unnecessary. Um, and it needs to be fun. I think that's a big thing that I'm, if you can decide that you're going to have fun with this and it's going to be something just like you enjoy music and movies and decide to learn, like it just shifts the whole process into something that you get to do rather than you have to totally. do. Totally. And I think it would benefit us all to stop thinking about meals as just something we do to fill our bellies so they're not hungry anymore and instead have it be a time and a place for awareness and slowing down and actually digesting the things that we eat and enjoying them and savoring them, which my awareness has been drawn to that more and more as I've done more of my bike shopping, uh, where I'm riding my bike to pick up only a few foods at one time. That's changed my awareness of what I'm eating and my enjoyment and then also eating these locally grown vegetables and items from local farmers through this um, CSA that I joined. It's changed my whole experience with food, whereas before I just saw it as a necessity and something to sort of be gotten through. And um, there's more to life than, you know, than getting through a meal, I think. So um, I do want to tell our listeners that you do offer nutritional coaching and one-on-one -on -one customized plans and just want to send everyone to your website jasonsani.sells.com is where you can get yourself a copy of this awesome cookbook. And is that also the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, there or, or Amazon. I mean, I'm available on social media, which I try to use as a platform to, you know, share, you know, quality content that I think can really, can really you know, be a resource to help people and just provide, uh, you know, different examples. Uh, I mean, we all have so many tools around us. I just, I try to show people, um, you know, I think just how, how you can be more resourceful with it, how you can, you know, look at the different examples and other people finding success and, um, shift, shift into enjoying the process and, you know, removing the stress. I think that there's so much unnecessary, um, extra bad stress that, that comes with food and health. And, you know, that's the last thing we need in the, right. in the environment that we're in now is, is more stress. So right. I think that if that can be something that is nourishing your mindset and you're happier and you can get excited about what the food is doing, you, it's just, it's a win-win situation. I think the nerd in me, you know, reading books, you can pick up magazines and instead of getting overwhelmed, like think about, okay, when I eat local um, seasonal vegetables that are thriving in that environment, I'm going to have a similar, you know, it's going to have a similar effect on my body. And, you know, it's like if you can get your, think of your food as like eating vitamins and minerals that can taste good. I think that that can just shift everything. And then it becomes now I'm eating a pancake that provides me with fiber and antioxidants and protein rather than I'm just eating something that tastes good. Right. Life is too yes. short not to enjoy this, right? Oh, Jason, yeah. so good to talk with you. I already have a second episode in mind that I want to do with you um, where we talk a little bit more about that gap and we talk about kind of 
working towards our tourist potential because that's a whole nother topic that you and I have talked about. But yeah, I have absolutely. made a I have made a commitment to our listeners to keep these to about 30, 35, 35 minutes so people can listen to them on their commute. So hopefully listeners took away some inspiration today about taking the leap and we will have links to your website and your Instagram on the website. And hopefully people will reach out to you and take advantage of your amazing expertise and just tap into some of that incredible energy that you shine out into the world. Awesome. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to continue our, uh, you know, our, our relationship and collaborations and see where we can go. Totally. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to, to have come in contact with you and I, you know, you have a, a very contagious um, outlook on life with a ton of enthusiasm and, you know, I think that's one of your gifts to be able to share that. Oh, with thanks. I appreciate that. Well, thanks so much, Jason, for being on and, um, we look forward to talking with you more on here on, on Maximum Enthusiasm. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com. 